0: Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. College football is headed into its final month. Basketball has started. Football's in full swing. And the World Series is starting this week. Bet online has you covered with all of the odds props, promos, and parlays, and if you use our promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, you can get a 100% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the link in the description to this episode. BetOnline, where the game starts. easy podcast live on the believe podcast network except it isn't live because it is as always a podcast welcome 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 everybody it's another nfl monday here on the take it easy podcast week seven has concluded There were 11 games this weekend, subtracting some buys, subtracting some Thursday night and Sunday night and Monday night football here on the show. We've got a whole lot to talk about here today. We've got a very special award to hand out for the Kirk Cousins Purgatory Award, a rare three-peat coming up later on in the show. We'll talk about that. Try and acknowledge a 6-1 Giants team without being absolutely insane. We'll talk about that. We're going to have a lot of talk about Christian McCaffrey and the 49ers and kind of like a macro level conversation about what happened uh, with the trade there and what might happen at the trade deadline and value and all that stuff coming up later in the show. What I want to just talk about first is... The Atlanta Falcons, y'all just, the Falcons-Bengals game has me so captivated. And it wasn't a good football game, it wasn't something that's worth like a long-form conversation like when we dissected the holy hell out of Kirk Cousins or did 45 minutes of X's and O's analysis on Buffalo and Kansas City. I I I just want to acknowledge that game because that game was so funny to me. And I'm watching the Bengals just go up and down the field in the first quarter. And the only thing that it reminds me of was a couple of years ago during the pandemic when Tyreek Hill had like 200 yards of offense in the first quarter against Tampa Bay. And they were up like 21-0 and just never looked back after that. That's the only thing that is really reminiscent of what happened in that Falcons and Bengals game because I turned on the red zone. And there's seven games going on, and they're not great games on the Red Zone channel. It's like Detroit and the Cowboys kicking field goals for three quarters before the Cowboys finally put away Detroit like they should have. It was Green Bay and Washington, which wasn't interesting until the end when Aaron Rodgers kind of just absolutely did his very best to have a miraculous comeback, but the entire game was just not interesting. Apparently, Green Bay's defense is just not good this season, which that would have been the thing where i was like well green bay's offense is going to take a step back but their defense will still be really good and that'll mean they'll make the playoffs now i'm like oh 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 they are they are they are struggling and and it was tampa and carolina having zero points between the two teams for the first what would that be 28 minutes of that game before tampa finished with 3 and carolina finished with 21 somehow in a so basically it was bad football But as I'm watching the red zone and there's just nothing really going on. Oh, also another one that happened was Colts and Titans having zero offensive touchdowns for two and a half quarters of that game. And so as I'm watching this and I'm getting ready to watch game five between San Diego and Philadelphia in the NLCS, they just keep showing this Bengals game and it's just touchdown, touchdown, 15 yards, 15 yards, touchdown, 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 Cincinnati. And again, only when Tariq Hill had 200 yards in the first half against Tampa a couple years ago have I felt the way I felt when a meaningless Falcons and Bengals game just kept showing up on the Red Zone channel. And so after that amazing, what was it, like a 40-yard touchdown that was uh, Jamar Chase had to break one tackle and go to the end zone right before he got hurt, I'm watching Jamar Chase score this 41-yard touchdown, and it made it 21 nothing. It was, I think, the first play of the second quarter. And it makes it 21-0. And I look up the stats. Joe Burrow has 221 passing yards in the first quarter. Marcus Mariota has two. 221 to two. And I look at that. I say the same thing I said three weeks ago. And I'll say it again now. If you're going to suck, suck with the rookie quarterback. Pittsburgh's doing it, even though Kenny Pickett got hurt. Pittsburgh's doing it. Atlanta, you should do it. The Houston Texans are doing it with Davis Mills. Is Davis Mills going to be on the team beyond, say, next season? No. They're just, the Jaguars did it with Gardner Minshew. If you're going to suck, suck with the rookie. Because, y'all, 221 yards to two. It didn't look as bad at the end because the the Falcons scored a bunch of points in the second quarter. Man, that should have been a 35-point loss. And it was amazing to watch the Bengals just porch the Atlanta defense. So Atlanta, I need to give my props to you off the bat. I know this is a weird way to kick off an NFL Monday. There weren't a lot of great games this week, so... Atlanta and Cincinnati you captivated my attention Atlanta for kind of the wrong reasons Cincinnati for the entertainment value of like oh shit that's how fun the Bengals offense can look now I remember how they made it to the Super Bowl last year now I remember how Jamar Chase had more yards of offense than the top four Giants receivers combined now I remember how he put up 300 yards in a game against Baltimore Bengals offense can be really, really fun. We just hadn't seen it to start the season because they were using a lot of Joe Mixon. And at one point, Joe Mixon had the second most carries in the sport with the 19th most yards. So it was just a really inefficient way of moving the ball. Burrow had his injury. Uh, obviously, Jamar Chase got hurt in this game. T. Higgins missed two games with a concussion. At least we know the Bengals' offense can look really, really fun again. It was a nice little reminder to have that happen on a, on a weekend where four of the seven or eight best teams in the sport all had a bye, and the big storyline, as we're about to talk about, was Christian McCaffrey and the 49ers.
1: Garoppolo. Drops back to throw. You're gonna lose the game. The seasons come and seasons go. The Niners need a change. If you don't throw check downs, you're gonna take a sack. Jimmy G is warming up. Yeah, he's your quarterback. No, don't throw it, interceptions drive us all insane, phones are calling, Ron Rivera wants to make a trade, if a rookie QB isn't in your plans, just call San Francisco up, they got your quarterback. They say he's smart, and he wins games. That don't mean a thing. If since week one, Trey Lance had played, the 49ers would have had a ring. If your team's rebuilding, talent's what you lack. Trade two picks for Jimmy G. Now he's your quarterback.
0: All right, y'all. So the story of the weekend, even after watching 11 NFL games, I'll call them. The story of the weekend is Christian McCaffrey getting traded from the Carolina Panthers to the San Francisco 49ers right after Andy Dalton threw two pick sixes within the span of one minute for the New Orleans Saints against the Arizona Cardinals. I just want to bring up the fact that Andy Dalton threw two pick sixes in a minute Against the Cardinals on Thursday night because it's so hilarious. And we watched it live on the air with Blake Jude on Friday. I also bring it up because it, it'll be foreshadowing something that we bring up at the end of this segment. But the story is San Francisco trading for Christian McCaffrey. And they're going to put in a limited play package for him in the first game of the season. I'm recording this right now, literally as the game is about to kick off. Kansas City gets the ball, so McCaffrey doesn't have it right now. And if you're hearing this, it means that nothing really interesting happened in the Kansas City-San Francisco game. If the game was wild or Christian McCaffrey has a breakout performance that requires X's and O's analysis, you're not even going to hear this part of the segment. You're not going to hear it at all. This signifies that nothing really memorable happened in the Kansas City-San Francisco game. Sorry I have to record beforehand work in the Sacramento Kings and Golden State Warriors game tonight, so had to record this segment at least before getting back home at 10 o'clock at night on the West Coast. But again, if you're hearing this, it means nothing super-duper interesting happened in the Kansas City-San Francisco game. What I want to talk about with Christian McCaffrey is kind of the broader macro-level conversation about the NFL, because if you heard our show on Friday, we had like a 15-minute reaction to the Christian McCaffrey trade. There's another 15-minute Christian McCaffrey reaction over with me and Juju on YouTube. The link to that's in the description of this episode. So if you want the 49ers X's nose breakdown, we've kind of done that already and it's kind of been worn thin because, like I said on Friday, one game is not going to give us enough evidence to know if this trade is going to work out. One season might not be enough evidence to know whether this trade is going to work out or not work out for San Francisco. What I've articulated from the beginning and I will articulate now, this is a great process trade by San Francisco. It's a great, great process trade by San Francisco right process we'll see what the results turn out to be there's been a couple of these the past couple years that I will also say great process not great results when the Tennessee Titans traded for Julio Jones and we spent three weeks because it was the middle of the dead period in the NFL and it was the moment I realized maybe I care too much about football when I'm spending three weeks following what's going to happen with Julio Jones When the Titans traded a second round pick and a fifth round pick for Julio Jones and he ended up having, I think, either zero or one touchdowns and he was hurt for eight of the games during the season and the Titans ended up cutting him at the end of the year and then Julio went to sign with Tampa where he's been mostly hurt the entire season. Like that's just a classic case of great process, bad results. The Titans don't regret making that trade. They just moved on. Made a mistake, and then they ended up giving up a fourth round pick for Bobby Trees from the Los Angeles Rams and trading AJ Brown and flipping it into uh, Traylon Burks and a few draft picks. Classic case of bad process. I'm sorry, great process, bad results. The Denver Broncos trade for Russell Wilson, again, I don't know whether or not this is a failure or not yet for Russell Wilson. The beauty of being Russell Wilson is that he's going to get three years to work through this, and Nathaniel Hackett's going to get fired, which means they're going to bring in a new offensive play caller at the end of the season. Russell Wilson's going to have a chance to work through this. And By the way, I'll also articulate, I said at the beginning, there is no way it could possibly be worse than what Denver has done the last five years. Denver, since I mean you could count the last Peyton Manning year, because Peyton Manning was nine touchdowns, eleven interceptions. They have gone since Peyton Manning's retirement, and Peyton Manning's last year might have been worse than many of these quarterbacks I'm gonna list. They've gone through twelve quarterbacks, including but not limited to Brock Osweiler, Jeff Driscoll, Brett Rippian, Case Keenum, Teddy Bridgewater, Joe Flacco, Drew Locke, Kendall Hinton, who's a wide receiver. There's some I'm forgetting. I used to be able to name them off the top of my head. They went through 12 quarterbacks in six years. Denver went through 12 different quarterbacks in six years who started a football game for that team. And it was the worst quarterback situation in the NFL. And we talked about this with uh, Blake Jude on Friday. Denver has the 29th ranked offense in the league, according to DVOA, and they have the number two ranked defense in the NFL what does that sound like? It sounds like the last 7 years of Broncos football. So I don't think the Russell Wilson trade was a failure. It was great process, so far mixed results. But again, we're going to need a larger sample size to determine that. And now, you know, Brett Rippian's going to be playing quarterback for the Broncos for the next couple weeks or few weeks because of Russell Wilson's hamstring or lat or whatever his injury is that is getting crushed on the internet because everyone's like giving him the Russell Westbrook treatment. Actually, someone I know confused Russell Westbrook with Russell Wilson the other day. They're just giving him the same treatment on the internet that Russell Westbrook's getting. So, again, we're going to need a larger sample size and a new head coach to evaluate just how successful or of a failure Russell Wilson's situation is. But it's a classic case of great process, bad results. Christian McCaffrey trade, great process. We'll see what the results end up turning out to be. And... That the, that's what we've talked about already with the idea of process and results. What I wanted to talk about additionally to this trade is kind of the macro level conversation about value within the NFL, because ultimately, if you want to strip away all nuance and you want to strip away all context, essentially the team that wins the Super Bowl is the team that finds the most value operating within the same financial constructs. And I know not all the financial constructs are the same, but theoretically everyone is working under the same salary cap in the NFL. Now that's not exactly how it works within the NFL because of all the layers and nuance and gray area that comes with the NFL um, cap situation and restructuring contracts and all sorts of stuff like that. So I know that's not exactly how this works, theoretically we could operate from that gray area if we're, or we could operate without the gray area and just say theoretically the team that finds the most value wins it's not super important but basically the team that finds the most value ends up winning and the value that fluctuates dramatically year to year and sometimes era to era is the value of draft picks Everyone is trying to find value in draft picks because it is such an imprecise science that if you get it correct, you could find a massive competitive advantage over the other team. And there is no one exact way to evaluate draft picks because it's such an inexact science. Even if I say there's more people covering the NFL draft than there is analysis for the NFL draft, like... We so many people are scouting and following prospects that you get a pretty clear consensus about who the best prospects are, and if it's not you know exactly correct, it's not like people are dramatically far off. It's not like you know when Blake Jude is saying Tariq Woolen should and could be a first round pick, and then he gets picked in the fourth round. It's not like people were like so dramatically off on what Tariq Woolen is. It's like. That's not that much of a difference when you really think about it. That's the difference of like two cornerbacks within the draft scale. So like for the most part, we know who the top prospects are. And there's so much more that goes into drafting than the drafting itself. Sometimes it's about development. Sometimes it's about finding value. Sometimes it's just what's available to you at the draft picks that you've been allotted. There's so much more to that science than just drafting itself, but it's also so imprecise that there's so much value teams can find. And San Francisco, I I was talking to Juju about this, how San Francisco is this great exception when it comes to drafting. I mean, I was talking about how like teams can't just replenish players through draft picks, like replenish Pro Bowl players with draft picks. And he brought up the point, San Francisco does that. San Francisco's only comparison is the Legion of Boom 49ers. I'm sorry, the Legion of Boom Seahawks. Like, there, there is no comp for what San Francisco has been able to do with their draft picks, where they they move down one pick so that the Bears can take Mitchell Trubisky, and the pick they flip into that is Fred Warner. There's no explanation for how uh, they can just get the safety. I think it's Al Shair. They can get a guy in the fourth round, boom, immediately a Pro Bowler. They just keep farting out Pro Bowlers. They get Trent Williams for a third-round pick, and he's the best left tackle in the NFL. And his value was Washington misdiagnosed his cancer. And so because of that, he refuses to play for the franchise, and they get him on a discount. He's the greatest left tackle in the NFL. George Kittle being a fifth-round pick. Debo Samuel being a second-round pick. Getting Brandon Ayuk in the first round because they just flipped draft picks Um they ended up trading up that year. It was their own draft pick, but they basically flipped Emmanuel Sanders, let Emmanuel Sanders go, replace him with Brandon Ayuk. They had an all-pro in DeForest Buckner, flipped him for Javon Kinlaw. Now, that one hasn't worked out great. It's not like it was terrible. It, w- it wasn't terrible logic, because if they had just traded a Rick Armstead instead of DeForest Buckner, it would have been a genius trade. Like, San Francisco is this great exception. No other team has been able to do what San Francisco has been able to do over the last four to five years, which is be a championship elite be an elite championship team without having a quarterback no one has been able to do that since the legion of boom seahawks consistently be a team at the top of the league like the eagles won a super bowl with a similar strategy of hey we just kept hitting on draft picks and hitting on offensive linemen and we could just put in any quarterback and we'll win the super bowl as long as nick Foles has like one of the greatest three game stretches ever but Nick Foles had that because they had the best offensive line in the NFL and maybe the best offensive line in NFL history like part of Dak Prescott's development is hey you have two Hall of Famers on the left side of your offensive line that's gonna help your development dramatically when it comes to becoming an elite quarterback that was picked in the third round like value in this sport is so difficult to analyze and one of the things I've noticed over the past couple years at least I think I've noticed not going to say I know for sure I think I've noticed that because the recent models of success have been draft picks are being overvalued there's been a market correction to where draft picks are now less valued than they've been before that a single great player can add value to your team in a way that wasn't recognized before that everyone was overvaluing draft picks because they wanted to pick the next Justin Jefferson at 22 or the next DeAndre Hopkins at 27 or the next Micah Parsons falling to pick 12 or the next Derrick Henry in the second round or Jonathan Taylor in the second round everyone wanted to find that guy and so they overvalued what draft picks were because of how important the cost-minimized player at that position was and the last few years we've seen this market correction possibly as salaries go up but possibly as teams recognize that A singular player might be getting overvalued, and draft picks are less valuable than they were before compared to, say, trading a first-round pick, a second-round pick, and other day three picks for Tyreek Hill. That might be more valuable to the Miami Dolphins than having... Those picks go to whatever else because you already have someone else developing your player for you. You could point to the Russell Wilson trade. You could point to the Von Miller trade and the Von Miller trade is the one that I think changes the math quite a bit when we're coming up on this year. You could point to the Jalen Ramsey trade and what the Los Angeles Rams have done. You could also even point to what Seattle has done. Most people think that the Jamal Adams trade was not great for Seattle and Jamal Adams being out for season obviously changes the math there. The Jets ultimately turned those picks into if you if you follow the logic of them trading up, it's not a precise science. They basically turned those picks from Jamal Adams into Elijah Tucker and Garrett Wilson. Which is not terrible. It's not terrible for the Seattle Seahawks if that's what they were gonna get in exchange for Jamal Adams. Now part of it also is you pay Jamal Adams a lot of money, but that part kind of You live with that because there is a certain amount of money you can allocate to star players like Jamal Adams. Even that trade wasn't awful. Even the Khalil Mack trade, which John Gruden was presented an award at the Sloan Analytics Conference for valuing draft picks, which analytics field draft picks have been undervalued for many, many years. And the cost minimization tactics are actually something that teams could exploit better got an award for trading for Khalil Mack because he gave up two first-round picks and got a second-round pick in return, which I think the Bears... He gave up a second-round pick that I think turned into Cole Komet. So it was like Khalil Mack and Cole Komet in exchange for what ultimately turned into Josh Jacobs and, I believe, Damon Arnett, which turned into, obviously, a bust for... Uh, the, the, or it was either Damon Arnett or Trayvon Mullen. I can't remember which one it was. I think it was Damon Arnett and basically trading Khalil Mack for Josh Jacobs, even as Khalil Mack didn't turn into the player the Bears wanted after the first season.
1: It's not a bad
0: trade. It's not a great trade, but it's not a bad trade either for, for either side. I think it was kind of a damned if you do damned if you don't situation for, for the Raiders because they picked Cleland Furl over Josh Allen and they picked, Uh, Well, they didn't get to pick Justin Herbert because Justin Herbert went back to college, but they picked Henry Ruggs over CeeDee Lamb and Jerry Judy. It was kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation for both parties, but that trade didn't turn out to be awful. And so where teams are looking at this last year is like, hey, we'll give up three first round picks for Russell Wilson. We'll give up a first and a second for Devontae Adams. We'll give up a first and a second for Tyreek Hill. We'd rather have that piece than we would the draft picks that come in advance and so this is an interesting point of value being assigned in the nfl each trade is going to have different values assigned to it i think the rams being the model that won the championship last year despite the fact that the rams were like the fifth best team in the nfl like buffalo was better than the rams kansas city was better than the rams green bay was better than the rams and then it was probably the rams so probably the rams were the the, the fifth best or the fourth best team in the NFL last season I'd say Tampa was probably right there because they finished better in the regular season but the Rams were better than Tampa the Rams were the fourth best team in the league last year they just didn't face any of the teams better than them on the way to the championship and that's not to take away the championship from the Rams like championship is a championship it's just pointing out that they They were the fourth best team in the NFL last year and won the championship, and the Bengals were like the 12th best team in the NFL last year and won the AFC because Kansas City threw up on themselves in the second half of that game. The Rams being the model of success where they traded two first-round picks for Matthew Stafford, they traded two first-round picks for Jalen Ramsey, they traded a second and a third for three months of Von Miller and won a championship— that's a model that I think pushes a lot of other teams into the 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 chips-in-the-middle-of-the-table situation. Whether that's Denver, whether that's the Raiders, whether that's the Dolphins, whether that's the 49ers, I would look at that and say teams are playing copycat when it comes to the values assigned to those players. And Tyreek Hill might break the yardage record this year in the NFL. I'm not saying like it's a bad move at all. Like Time will tell whether it's going to work out or whether it's not. For all of these teams, Denver uh denver the raiders the uh denver raiders and dolphins are three of the worst run organizations in football the last six to seven years i know miami has has had some relative success but miami hasn't won a playoff game since 2000 the raiders haven't won a playoff game since 2002 The Broncos, if the Jets make the playoffs, the Broncos will have the longest playoff drought in the NFL. And the Broncos are one of those situations where you might look up and be like, oh, shit, we haven't made the playoffs in 15 years. That's what the Broncos are starting to feel like to me. It's one of those situations where you just get bad move after bad move after bad move. And one day you're looking up and you're like, huh, it's been 15 years since we won a playoff game. It's what happened to the New York Giants. New York Giants won a Super Bowl in 2012, they spent all that money on big-time free agents, and Ben McAdoo made the playoffs in his first year, and then it's just bad move after bad move after bad move, and one day you look up and it's like, oh, we haven't won a playoff game in 10 years, and we're not going to win a playoff game this year. We're three years away from being good enough to win a playoff game. I know the Giants might make the playoffs this year, but I ask all of you right now, are you willing to put the Giants over the Rams when the Giants were underdogs against the Jaguars today? And so for these teams, like the Dolphins, the Raiders, the Broncos, no singular move they could make would put them over the top to win a championship. The draft picks wouldn't have done enough to get them to a championship, even if the best case scenario turns out. The player that you're trading for, whether it's Tariq Hill or Devontae Adams or Russell Wilson, was never going to be enough to get them to a championship. There's just so little that could go right for them because they don't... For Denver's case, they play in a division with Patrick Mahomes. For the Raiders' case, they play in a division with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. And in the Dolphins' case, they play in a division with Josh Allen. There was nothing they could do that would singularly turn the corner for them because their teams weren't good enough to compete in those positions in the first place. But it's just the way that we value draft picks. So the thing that I thought was interesting about this and bring it back to the 49ers, Christian McCaffrey is not going to be the singular move that wins them a championship. And at the same time, they are, from my vantage point, doing the right thing in trading for Christian McCaffrey because you're going to get three years of that running back, even if it's not the best running back in the NFL anymore. It is a former All-Pro player Current probable Pro Bowl player in the NFC, at least. If three running backs make the Pro Bowl in the NFC, I'm going to assume that it's going to be him and Dalvin Cook and Saquon Barkley. So, probable Pro Bowler in the NFC. And you're looking at that team, and you're saying, and I could say, that team is. One of the best teams in the NFC, I'm going to say second best because them and the Eagles are kind of in the same camp right now. Them and the Eagles are the two best teams in the NFC. That was already the case before they got Christian McCaffrey. So that trade is great process because you're working within the margins. And it's a different explanation than what I had for the Broncos, Raiders, and Dolphins ones, which are just the three most recent examples we can point to. We could point to what the Rams did with Von Miller also. This trade for McCaffrey is similar to the Rams trade for Von Miller, which is the Los Angeles Rams were already one of the five best teams in the NFL before trading for Von Miller. What adding Von Miller did was help them within the margins of trying to compete with the best of the best teams in the sport. Now, ultimately, the hardest team they had to face on the way to the championship was Tampa Bay, and they should have beat Tampa Bay by 30 points before they threw up on themselves and gave that game back. So... Tampa was the hardest team they had to play in that stretch, so it's not like they ended up having to face Buffalo, Kansas City, or Green Bay in the playoffs. Maybe if they do, the results change. I mean, hell, even if the uh, what's his name Uh, Jaquiski Tart drops that inter, doesn't drop the interception for San Francisco, the Rams might lose anyways. And FDM picks went all in and didn't turn into a championship and now you see the ramifications of that pun intended where Matthew Stafford has been broken since the very start of the season and they won't sit him and he's a diminished version of himself and he's he's a average to below average I mean he's a below average to Matthew Stafford standards but he's a below average quarterback this season in the same camp as Ryan Tannehill and Uh, I guess at the bottom would be Davis Mills, because I think Davis Mills is like 23rd in passer rating right now. And you look at what's happened with the Rams and the fact that we're talking about them or the Giants fighting for the last playoff spot in the NFC, which is wild to think about at the start of the season, that the Giants and Rams would be dueling it out for the last playoff spot. Like, if they don't win that championship, does it change the results of the Von Miller trade? I would argue great process, bad results. And that's what the 49ers are doing. This is a trade within the margins of, we were already one of the best teams in the NFL. Now we are trying to just get a little bit better when we play Philadelphia. We are trying to get a little bit better when we play Kansas City. We're trying to get a little bit better when we play Buffalo and we're trying to get a little bit better when we play the Tampa defense, which, by the way, I think San Francisco's a better team than Tampa, but Tampa's defense is really, really good. And injuries obviously change the math on some of this stuff. And San Francisco hasn't suffered too many injuries that they can't overcome. They've suffered a shit ton of injuries. I also think they're still somehow the second best team in the NFC because they have five Pro Bowlers on offense. They have five pro bowlers on offense now. They have Trent Williams, who's an all-pro. George Kittle, who's an all-pro. Christian McCaffrey, who's a former all-pro. Debo Samuel, is a pro bowler. And Kyle Juszczyk, who's a pro bowler. Like, they have five pro bowlers on offense. And they have five pro bowlers on defense. And four of them are still healthy. I mean, I know Nick Bosa is not healthy healthy, but five of them, <laughs> they have five pro bowlers on defense and five pro bowlers on offense. It's just ridiculous how much talent the San Francisco 49ers have. And San Francisco is in that case of great process, great results. So what does that lead to with this? If you're a team like Denver, if you're a team like Miami, if you're a team like the Raiders who made those trades in the offseason, it was a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. Because without a concerted effort to rebuild, there. Is very little you can do to compete with Buffalo and Kansas City and Baltimore. There's just, there's so little to operate within the margins. And that doesn't mean just give up and go home. Like Denver Broncos could do everything they wanted, but with the organizational instability following Bolin's death and selling the team and then new owner syndrome coming in with the Waltons and they spent all that money on Russell Wilson, which. Again, they can get out of the contract after three years, but they spent all that money on Russell Wilson, and the results haven't panned out. They hired a dumb coach. And all of that signifies organizational instability, and there's nothing the Denver Broncos can do to overcome that when they play in a division like the one that they play in with with Kansas City and even behind Kansas City, Justin Herbert. But even the Chargers are organizationally incompetent. This year's all about injuries, The last two years have not been... I mean, the first year with Herbert, it was his rookie year, whatever. Like, last year was not about organizational instability. This year is about injuries for the Chargers. And Justin Herbert's going to probably... I mean, not probably. He's going to make the playoffs this year. Justin Herbert's going to go three years without having a playoff win. And everyone's going to crap on the Chargers for that part of it. Like... You play in the same division as the best-run organization in football with the best quarterback I've ever seen and the greatest offensive coach in the history of the NFL. Kansas City is going to win that division 15 times in 16 years. Been saying it for years, still say it. Kansas City's going to run that division the way that the Patriots ran the AFC East. And if you're the Broncos and Raiders and Chargers, I mean, the Chargers have Justin Herbert, so they're going to always be in it a little bit. But if you're the Broncos and Raiders, do you just lay down and die? No, of course you don't. You do good process trades like getting Devontae Adams and Russell Wilson. It's all about value. And there's no amount of value those teams can collect that will be able to compete with what Kansas City and the Chargers have. So you're fighting an incredibly thin margin for wildcard spaces, which, by the way, is the same space the Raiders have been fighting for years. Raiders haven't won a division title in decades. Decades. Raiders haven't won a division title in the AFC West since 2002. It's been 20 years since the Raiders won a division title. Like It's just so poor for them. And it's poor for the Broncos who are headed for that same space of they're going to look up. It's been, it's 2031 and it's been 16 years since the Broncos won a playoff game. I'm telling you, they're headed for that territory. And that doesn't mean the Russell Wilson trade was a failure. It just means that there was, I mean, it means right now that it's not looking great. Russell Wilson could turn a corner around. They could make the playoffs twice in three years with Russell Wilson. And it doesn't matter because they just can't compete at the highest levels of the sport. It, it's just not possible for Denver. And if you're the 49ers and if you're the Rams, that's a different storyline. So that brings me to the interesting point about if we're going to put those two things aside, there's the value of bad teams trading for star players, and there's the value of great teams trading for star players to get within the margins. Because we're we're basically seven days away from the trading deadline in the NFL. If teams are going to follow the Rams model and follow the 49ers model of we are already an elite team. Let's use draft picks to gain a competitive advantage. Because remember, Kansas City has all of those Terry Kill draft picks. Green Bay has all of those Devontae Adams draft picks at their disposal. And Green Bay is not an elite team. They just have Aaron Rodgers. And so we've seen Aaron Rodgers be that we've seen them be elite the last two seasons. Defense is not great for Green Bay. Offense is broken, but we've seen them Connected to every wide receiver that's available on the market. Additionally, we didn't talk about this on Friday, that the 49ers and Rams had all of these additional draft picks that they could spend because, well, I guess we'll start off with because the NFL discriminates in their hiring process against black candidates, brown candidates, women, Asian candidates, because the NFL discriminates in their hiring process. The NFL implemented the policy a couple years ago where if a team hires a black general manager or a black head coach from another team the previous employer gets two compensatory third round picks the los angeles rams ended up having their general manager or sorry their assistant general manager get hired by the detroit lions as general manager they got two third round picks as the first team to benefit from this policy they traded one of those third round picks to The lions in order to get matthew stafford and they traded another are they traded their own third round pick to the broncos in exchange for von miller a trade they could make because the los angeles rams had an additional compensatory third round pick still at their disposal so brad holmes gets hired by the detroit lions and then ends up compensatory picks get made out of nothing to the rams and the rams trade those picks to brad holmes in Detroit, in order to get Matthew Stafford. So, part of how the Rams were able to acquire Matthew Stafford and Vaughn Miller is because of that policy. The 49ers get six third round compensatory picks over the next three seasons because Robert Sala got hired by the Jets, Mike McDaniel got hired by the Dolphins, and uh, their f- former assistant general manager got hired by Washington. That is how great organizations become even richer because other teams want their candidates to be in their organizations, and regardless of results, they get compensation that serves as a competitive advantage. It's fair because, one... Organizations who do really well should be rewarded in that system. And two, stop discriminating against black coaching candidates and brown coaching candidates and Asian coaching candidates and women coaching candidates. Stop discriminating. We don't need to bribe the owners into hiring them. Stop discriminating against them. This is just another way for well-run organizations to get a competitive advantage. The point of that is 49ers had all these additional draft picks. Rams have all these additional draft picks. Kansas City has all these additional draft picks. The Green Bay Packers have all these additional draft picks. Buffalo doesn't have additional draft picks. They also have all of their current draft picks because they haven't spent any of them over the years at this point. Those are the great teams in the NFL. Actually, I forgot one more team. The Eagles have the Saints pick at number five. I mean, The Saints right now are pick five, but they have the Saints first round pick next year. The Eagles have all of these bonus draft picks because Doug Peterson tanked that last game of the season in 2020, which got them this draft pick that just keeps getting kicked down the road because they, they got the sixth pick instead of the 11th pick. And they then traded down from six to 11, I guess six to 12. And they got an additional first round pick for that. They got Devonta Smith instead of Jalen Waddle. So they basically got an additional first round pick for that tank. That one game tank, they got an additional first round pick, and then they took that first round pick this year and just traded back a year so that the Saints could take Trevor Penning last year. So the Eagles still have a bonus first round pick thanks to Doug Peterson. So the Eagles have additional draft compensation. I'm not saying they trade that Saints pick. I'm saying they might trade their own pick or something like that. Eagles have additional draft compensation because they're a well-run organization. And I know that's weird to say with Howie Roseman. So if all these teams at the top, Kansas City, Philadelphia, Buffalo, the Rams, the 49ers, I know the Rams are having a bad year, but we're talking about the Rams last year. If all those teams who are the the four best in the NFL, which I would argue the five best teams in the NFL are Kansas City, Buffalo, Philadelphia, San Francisco, Baltimore, in no particular order, but just you kind of get the gist. If those are the five teams that legitimately expect to win a Super Bowl, Then we are talking about all of them having draft compensation and all of them having the ability to make moves within the margins, similar to what Buffalo just, I'm sorry, similar to what San Francisco just did with Christian McCaffrey. So if you are a team who is actively tanking, if you are a team that is, we are shooting for a top pick, our season is over, we are shooting for that top draft pick so we can get a star quarterback and we want to unload players on the roster, similar to how the Jaguars did when they traded Jalen Ramsey. I've said this before. Even if the Jalen Ramsey trade was an all-time flop by the Jaguars, the Jaguars got nothing in return for him. It was basically uh, Clavon Chason and Travis Etienne and a fourth-round pick that didn't turn into anything. That's an all-time flop. They gave they gave away Jalen Ramsey for free to the Rams. All the Rams had to do was give up the picks and get the cap space to sign Jalen Ramsey. Like, they gave away the best corner I've ever seen for nothing. The reason that trade was a success for Jacksonville is because trading away Jalen Ramsey put them in a position to draft Trevor Lawrence. And getting Trevor Lawrence is a golden ticket. The reason the Jamal Adams trade is an even more resounding success for the Jets, even though they only got, roughly speaking, Elijah Vera Tucker and garrett wilson for jamal adams is that the new york jets got zach wilson because they traded jamal adams they traded jamal adams and that season they were bad enough to draft zach wilson and zach wilson looks like a guy they would at least consider extending his sample size isn't large enough but he's a player they would at least consider keeping around for the long haul especially because if they beat brett ripian today they'll be five and two and better than the miami dolphins somehow That's the reason those trades are successes. The reason Carolina is trading Christian McCaffrey is that regardless of what those draft picks turn into for Carolina, they're going to try and get a star quarterback or at the very least Will Anderson. And the other teams that are in that camp are Houston, Chicago, Washington. Those are the tanking teams in the NFL. Those are the teams that are going to have top five picks in some order. Now the problem here is... Carolina was the rare combination of team that's tanking and has cool shit. These other teams are tanking, but don't have cool shit. Like Houston is tanking. They have nothing good to offer in a trade. Like Brandon Cooks is worth like a fifth round pick at this point. Like, and that's the best trade chip they have. They, they don't have shit available to trade. Chicago Roquan Smith you could make an argument is the one case of a guy who's worth it but I don't think any of these teams are are any of these elite teams are trading for Roquan Smith I could be wrong I don't think any of these elite teams are trading all their picks for Roquan Smith I think if a team's gonna mess around and do something like that it's probably gonna be a team in the middle who has lots of cap space and wants to like the Jets The Jets could totally do that with Roquan Smith. They've got some bonus draft picks left over. They could totally do that with Roquan Smith. I don't think it's going to be a team like uh, Kansas City or Buffalo or Philadelphia. Maybe Philadelphia. But I don't think it's going to be any of those teams that make that move. None of those teams have cool shit. They're going to be at the top of the draft. None of them have anything good to offer. So if you are a team who's in that second group which is we are a below-average football team. We are a third-place team in our division. If you're one of those teams who, hey, we might be in the mix once the mixies roll around on December 1st, our annual award show celebrating teams that are kind of like 9 to 24 in the NFL. We're just hanging around in the mix. If you're hanging around in the mix... This is your chance to capitalize because those teams that I think of being in the mix, they've got some cool shit. It might not be as cool as Christian McCaffrey. It doesn't need to be as cool as Christian McCaffrey to trade your cool shit. Here's some of the teams I'm thinking about here. Tennessee, well documented before. Tennessee, you've got cool shit. Trade your cool shit to a desperate team. The Rams might do it. <laughs> Rams might trade for Derrick Henry. We've talked about that multiple times on the podcast. They might be stu- they might do it. They might do it. And they get 2 years of Derrick Henry. The Bills might do it. I don't know if you'd want to trade him to the Bills, but if the Bills give you an offer you can't refuse, you should listen to calls on all of your players. That's basically what I'm concluding here. You should listen to calls on all of your players. Seattle take calls you might get an offer you can't refuse for DK Metcalf. The Packers might offer you a first-round pick for DK Metcalf. Pittsburgh's already trying this, by the way. Pittsburgh's putting Chase Claypool out there and said, highest bidder, you can have Chase Claypool. You want it, You want to be Buffalo? You want to be Kansas City? You want to be Philadelphia? Highest bidder can have Chase Claypool. Green Bay, you want, you want this guy? You want this former pro bowler his rookie year? Highest bidder gets Chase Claypool. They're trying to get the kind of value that Carolina got. Not so that they can get a top pick. I think Pittsburgh's too talented to get a top five pick, but they can get a blue chip prospect at the top of the draft. Pittsburgh is a really bad team this year. They're going to be two and six at the end of this stretch. And again, I don't know what happened against Miami. Pittsburgh is going to be bad. And they're trying to do the same thing, which is we can get value Higher than what the player is worth on the open market. I don't think they're going to get a Christian McCaffrey type of package for Chase Claypool. They can get something cool for Chase Claypool. Seattle can get a Christian McCaffrey type package for DK Metcalf if you make him available. Tennessee can get that type of trade package for Derrick Henry because the market's been established for running backs. You know what Derrick Henry's worth now. If that's what McCaffrey's worth, you know what Derrick Henry is worth. And you should, t- you should be taking offers on two years of Derrick Henry Because these next two years for Tennessee are going to be about tearing down and building up. So Tennessee, go for it. Seattle, go for it. New Orleans, I know you don't have draft picks, but you have cool shit. Might behoove you to take a couple trade calls. You might get an offer you can't refuse to get some of those draft picks back, even if you don't have your own draft pick this year because you gave it to the Eagles for Trevor Penning. If you are Arizona... J.J. Watt's a free agent after the season. If he's not coming back, seems very similar to the trade the Broncos made with Von Miller last year. I know you want to make the playoffs. I know you can make the playoffs still. I know the Giants are so bad that you have a, a puncher's chance, but the Seahawks might be as good as you, if not better at this point. So take some offers on J.J. Watt. Take some offers on Buda Baker. See what you can get. You don't have to accept the offer. Just see what someone will give up for him. If you, I mean, I know the, the Cardinals are buying, so like they're not going to do that because the Cardinals are not going to listen to that. If you're the Raiders, take some offers. If you're the Broncos, take some offers. These are the teams that are in the mix in the next group. Like These are third-place teams in their division. So there's not really a chance they're going to make the playoffs this year, and they also want to compete in the future. So see what you can get, because you have cool shit, and teams at the top have draft picks. See what you can find within the margins in terms of value for those draft picks, because teams seem to be wanting to compete at the very top levels. They want to be competing within the margins, and I know this happens every year. It just happens on a smaller scale than it's happened the past few years. Usually it's like, oh yeah, buyer at the deadline is going to get this player for a fourth round pick, or... You know, Kansas City's going to sign LaShawn McCoy, or the Rams are going to sign Odell Beckham Jr. Like, it usually operates on a smaller scale, This and there's only so many talented players to go around. There's only so many Christian McCaffreys that exist in the league. If you're a team like Tennessee, you have a Christian McCaffrey-type player. If you're Seattle, you have a Christian McCaffrey-type player. If you're Arizona, you have a Vaughn Miller-caliber caliber player and J.J. Watt available on your team, If you're the Saints, you've got cool shit. You've got Cam Jordan, you got Demario Davis, you got Alvin Kamara. You got some cool shit on your team. See what someone will take for it. You don't have to make a trade, just see if you can get an offer you can't refuse. There are talented players on other teams that could help these that that teams at the top could be motivated to trade for to get value within the margins. I'm not saying that it will make them championship good. Like I said at the beginning, great process. We'll see about the results for the 49ers. It will get teams within the margins closer to winning. And this has always been the case. It's just now that you've seen, now that the trends have shifted in the other direction in terms of the value of draft picks, they might be undervalued. And if they're going to be undervalued, you have an opportunity to get some picks for players from teams that are okay overspending because it's about not making themselves championship good, like, or it's not a get rich quick situation like Russell Wilson trading to the Broncos, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill. It's not like that for teams that are far away from being contenders. It is teams already at the top with lots of draft picks. Trying to get better than each other within the margins. And if you have that market available and teams are motivated, like San Francisco, to trade for Christian McCaffrey, you can make something out of that. If you are one of these teams that just has to acknowledge we're okay selling because ultimately we could be a better team for it, not just this year, but beyond this year. And if that's the case, you could see. Any big name like we just mentioned, J.J. Watt, Alvin Kamara, Derrick Henry, Chase Claypool, get traded to a contender and teams actually be motivated to make it happen. Because I know we talk about that every year like it's a pipe dream. This year it feels more real because of the way that the trends are shifting in the sport. And it started with Christian McCaffrey. It's It, went, it goes back to Von Miller last season and that model succeeding for the Rams. Teams at the very top also have additional draft picks, which is something that's unique. Usually the teams at the top don't have great draft picks because that's how the system is set up, right? The teams at the top get lower draft picks. They trade draft picks for proven players. This year you have the rare combination of all the best teams in the NFL have a shit ton of draft picks, which is just, you know, the rich get richer in the NFL because the best run organizations are so far ahead of the poorly run ones. And they took advantage of the poorly run organizations Because, like I said, when these trades were going down, whether it be um, Devontae Adams or Tyree Hill with the Raiders and Dolphins trading with the Chiefs and Packers, do you trust well-run organization? Because I'm going to bet the Chiefs and Packers probably know what they're doing better than the Raiders and Dolphins. I'm going to bet on well-run organization. And lo and behold, I know Green Bay hasn't had a great season so far. Kansas City has the second-best team in the NFL they're not as talented on paper as Buffalo. And all these draft picks at their disposal, Great Process says Kansas City trades for multiple players at the trade deadline. Controllable for multiple years. That's what Great Process says Kansas City does. They've, they've invested in young players. They've, invest, they, they've moved on from Tyreek Hill and Tyron Matthew. They've done the hard, difficult thing. Now they have lots of assets at their disposal hard right thing says all of these teams should be calling Kansas City and therefore all these teams should also be calling Buffalo and Philadelphia to see if they could get a offer they can't refuse for one of the players on their team that's actually cool shit like Alvin Kamara, J.J. Watt, Derrick Henry, Chase Claypool. Guys like that. Oh right everybody it is time for our week seven Philip Rivers Memorial Kirk Cousins Purgatory Award for those who are new to the show the Philip Rivers Memorial Kirk Cousins Purgatory Award is bestowed every week to the quarterback who found themselves in Kirk Cousins Purgatory which is down six no timeouts one minute to play and needing to drive the length of the field and we have For the first time since Kirk Cousins last season, when he won five awards in six weeks, we have a three-peat on the Kirk Cousins Purgatory Award and a true Kirk Cousins Purgatory this week. It was exactly down six points, a minute and two seconds to play, starting at the 25-yard line, and no timeouts. We had an exact Kirk Cousins Purgatory this week, and it belongs to one Trevor Lawrence. For the third consecutive week, Trevor Lawrence has won the Kirk Cousins Purgatory Award. It was a magnificent drive, too. He took a sack, but there was a hold on the defense. He threw the game inning interception, but there was a hands to the face on the defense. He threw two incompletions, then had a big completion. They spiked the ball. Last play of the game needed to go 20 yards. He threw it short of the end zone to Christian Kirk. And Christian Kirk tried to barrel his way into the end zone and ended up about a yard and a half short of completing the Jacksonville Jaguars' Kirk Cousins purgatory win. But remember, Kirk Cousins purgatory is not about whether you win or lose. It's more about the process of always being down six, no timeouts, length of the field to go, and one minute to play. As Philip Rivers spent 15 years of his career doing after Ladanian Tomlinson left, and as Kirk Cousins has done every year for about 10 years in some capacity. Again, Kirk Cousins has, uh, going into this season, a 59-59-1 career record. The the Vikings are 5-1 and one this year, and I'm sure that won't even itself out as the season goes along. So, congratulations to Trevor Lawrence. It's the first three-peat in Kirk Cousins' purgatory. Are the New York Giants going to make the playoffs? Probably. Are we prepared to talk about it? Probably not. They just have to go... 3 and what now god the, the new york giants were underdogs this week against the jaguars i still attest the new york giants are a little bit better than jacksonville the new york giants are not significantly better than jacksonville the new york the jacksonville is what i call like one of the worst teams in the sport who's not trying to tank like they're in that 7th to 8th pick range at this point in the draft y'all the giants are like there's like 7 teams that should be better than the Giants this year and the Giants are 6 and 1. I will say this week, Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones actually played really well. So I will give Daniel Jones his props. He did play pretty good in this game. He had 200 yards, 65% completion percentage. Daniel Jones had 100 rushing yards on the game, too. He actually did have a pretty good game for the Giants, even if the Giants only finished with 20 points, and uh, a good game for Daniel Jones consists of, like, just not being abjectly terrible and checking down and doing all the things that uh, backup-level quarterbacks do, which is what Daniel Jones is, but the Giants are 6-1 anyways because... Offense around the league is down this season and the New York Giants are taking advantage of that by running the football and I think they have like the 13th ranked offense in the league this year. So good on the New York Giants. Uh, Congratulations on starting six and one and winning all of your one possession games and being this year's version of the Pittsburgh Steelers. I commend you for your efforts, and it's going to be really funny if the Giants make the playoffs over the Rams because the Giants are, like, the 12th worst team in the NFL, which, again, is is in the mix. They just happen to be 6-1 and one instead of, at the bare minimum, 5-2 and two like the Jets because there's no reason Baltimore should have thrown that game up last week to the Giants and they had all those turnovers, and there's no reason that— The Titans should have lost that week one game to the Giants. The Giants are just, again, we're not prepared to talk about it. But I will say I did actually watch a significant amount of Giants football for the first time this week. And I have to say Daniel Jones did look okay at football at least better than I remember him when I last seriously paid attention to the Giants in week six of last season. And now it's week seven of this season. I finally decided to watch the Giants again and Daniel Jones actually played kind of good. So it's a props to you, Daniel Jones for an excellent performance. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping in here to the take it easy podcast here on an NFL Monday. Make sure to follow, download, leave a five-star review, do all that great stuff. To help support our channel and our show um, thanks for stopping in everybody and as always take it easy we'll talk to you again tomorrow probably with some baseball harry douglas arthur blank dante fowler michael vick devin hester hayden Hurston, caleb mcgarry Tack McKinley, Deion Sanders, Michael Turner, Grady, Jarrett, Austin Hooper, Tevin Coleman, Tony Gonzalez, Warwick Dunn, Brent Grimes, Kyle Pitts, Des Turfant, Left Witch, Julio, Mascot has creepy eyes, Darren Hall and KZ, Maddie Warren,
1: MVP, AJ Terrell, Duron, Harmon, Russell Gage, Vic Beasley, we're the Atlanta Falcons. We're always flying, and we keep on trying. We're the Atlanta Falcons. We keep blowing leads, but we try to fight it. Steven Jackson, Jalen Mayfield, Dan Quinn, and
0: Shanahan. Jeff, George, Jake, Matthews, Fabian Moreau. Mike Davis, Ito Smith, Devonta Freeman's Pro Bowl, Jock Keys, Rogers, Asante Samuel, Young Wade, Dean Pease, Mike Smith had a winning team, Henry Crockett, Petrino,
1: Calvin Ridley, Jaden Graham, Dion Jones, Tajay Sharp, or Darryl is a running back, Chris Lindstrom, D'Angelo Hall, some dude named Zaccheaus. We're the Atlanta Falcons. We're always flying and we keep on trying. We're the Atlanta Falcons. We keep blowing leads, but we try and fight it. Dirty Bird, bring it back! Roddy White and Alex Mack, all furred! Luke McCown, Super Bowl prostitutes! Justin Hardy, Matt Shaw, Atlanta Braves, baseball beat! With an onside kick, Dirt Cutter's an idiot! Corey Peters, Richie Grant, Chris Chandler, Paul Warlow, Lee Smith, Jay Brown, Super Bowl's a no-go. Sun, New, Brooks, Reed, Mike Pennell, Matt Hennessy, Doi, Toy Toi, Lolo, don't score that ball, Todd Gurley. We're the Atlanta Falcons. We're always flying and we keep on trying. We're the Atlanta Falcons. We keep blowing leads and we try to fight it.